Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Welcome to those of you online. I'm so grateful to be with you today. Um, I'm continuing in the theme of community, and um, I love what Reverend Larry did last week and how he just identified and acknowledged all the places of community, all the places that you serve, and it was amazing. I was overwhelmed to hear all the ways that all of you serve, so thank you for doing all that. It's so, uh, what a wonderful demonstration of the community that you're in. And so today my talk is, Who's in Your Tribe? And I got the idea from Seth Godin. He is one of the most influential people in marketing in today's world. He's written 20, over 20 books, and he has a book called Tribes. I don't think he's aware of it, but he speaks like a metaphysician. I get a lot of inspiration from him. And so the word tribe has been around for thousands of years. But it it became a negative connotation because it was misused by colonialists to oppress indigenous people. And so the the word didn't have that until until that started to happen. So he uses it as tribes, and here's his definition. It's a group of people who are connected to one another. They're connected to a leader and connected by an idea. People are in a tribe because they want to be. They want to be part of something. It's another way to talk about community. And we thrive, us humans thrive in community, right? We want that connection and we build community with intention. And so in revitalizing this idea of tribes, he says that Everyone has an opportunity to create a tribe in today's world, that we're all being called to be leaders. We're all being called to step up and to do something new and to bring people together in a positive way. Tribes can influence the outcome of our lives. And so it's a problem if a leader of a tribe does not have a moral compass and is not looking out for the highest good of its members. If you need an idea, just watch the news, right? Lots of that going on in today's world. What he says is a tribe, if a tribe has a moral, committed, generous, visionary leader, the tribe will accomplish things that it would never have imagined it could do so. So we are, we come into tribes on an evolutionary journey just by being born. We're born into a family. It's our family tribe. We uh, may sometimes may worship at a particular place like we are today, and that's your church or your faith. And then as you go to school, then you, you build community in school and hobbies and sports and work. So there's these little segments of that, that where we are together, where we're committed to an idea, and we work together in community, in a group. Ernest Holmes says, 
Compassion and caring are the ties that bind us together in mutual understanding and in the unified attempt to uncover the divinity within each other. So compassion and caring tie us together in this tribe or community. And compassion is the most gentle of all human virtues, for it is the outpouring of the divine livingness through all. So in a tribe, we look out for each other, right? We're, we care about each other. We have compassion for each other. And it reminds me of a story of um, Sister Barbara. And she was in the convent, and she had received a letter from her parents. And in it, they put a, a $100 bill. And she felt just gratitude for this. And she happened to look out the window where she was sitting. And here was a man kind of slumped next to a, a telephone pole. And he was shabbily dressed. He had a hat on. And, and he was just kind of leaning, kind of forlorn. And she looked at him. And she looked at the money. And she knew what she had to do. So she wrote a note. She wrote, don't despair, and she wrapped it around the bill, and she took it down, and, and she handed it to him. And he took it, he looked kind of puzzled and didn't say anything, he just walked away. Well, the next day, the sisters called her, and they said, there's a man that's insisting that he talk to you. And so she went down, and there was that man, and he thrust a bag of money at her. And she said, what is this? And he said, $8,000, it's your sister. Don't despair, came in first, paid out 80 to one. <laughs> so we look out for each other. We're going to repeat this. We're going to repeat this next, next month when we talk about money and prosperity. So remember this story. So we get to know each other in our tribe. We look out for each other, and we want the best for each other. So Godin says, pay attention to the tribes you're in, right? Because we're conscious of this one, this church community, but there may, may be other ones that are not for your highest benefit anymore. Maybe some group you used to be involved with that they're not going in the direction that you want. So pay attention, Reverend Petra Welds says, what we know in science of mind is that intention and commitment are the forerunners of action, right? They're the forerunners of action. When our consciousness is lifted by the truth of our oneness, we not only act for the good of others, but we join our consciousness together with all those who are committed to the same. Every time we lift our hearts and minds and voices together, we create a shift in consciousness. Consciousness and action are joined together are truly powerful. And this is also comes from the book of Matthew. Again, I tell you, if two of you agree on earth about anything you ask for, it is done by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. So the, the commitment is the two of us coming together in agreement. So we grow together in community. Dr. Kathy Hearn says that in this work, we get to grow up all over each other. 
Isn't that true? We grow up all over each other. We learn the principles together. And then we make mistakes. We say things we don't mean to. We get frustrated. We lose our way. We get, come back. We get to do it over again. But we stand with each other for the highest agreement, for the highest good. In our community, we, it gives us an opportunity to work out our stuff together. We have that opportunity, and we get to reflect that with each other. So, and in, in community, we have teachers, right? Teachers teach us on many different levels. And so, this is, I wrote this in my uh, blog this week, and this is a true story that happened uh, about a year ago. But I had just come from grocery shopping, and my neighbor was standing there, and um, as I pulled up, she greeted me, and then she said, I have a question for you. This came up in Bible study, and I want to know, are we in the end of times? <laughs> and I really, I, I felt sad because that's a hard question to answer. I had a hard week. I heard about friends that were dealing with illnesses, dealing with loss, dealing with grief. And it's like, how am I going to answer this? So I stalled. Did the first thing is stall. So I was taking my groceries out and thinking, what the heck am I going to say? So I've got to lift myself out of this. I can't be, I've got to lift myself. What do I know to be true? Well, I know that I'm not at the effect of the appearances of the world, right? Ernest taught us that. We know that. I know there's a divine presence that is good. I know that I am one with this infinite presence. So I know that. And then I remembered this quote from Ernest Holmes. In order to have faith, we must have the conviction all is well. In order to keep the faith, we must allow nothing to enter our thought that will weaken this conviction. And so now... I'm ready to respond. I have my groceries, and I said, well, so what I think is happening, and she interrupted me, and she said, oh, there's my ride. I got to go. See ya. <laughs> and I was, I stood there stunned, and then I just started laughing, because spirit will use every opportunity to bring us back to love, right? She didn't need the answer. I needed the answer. I had to think this through. I had to bring myself up and move my frequency and vibration. She didn't need it, but I did. Spirit put us right in the place where we needed to be. And that's what happens in the tribe, in community. That someone comes up, they have an issue, and you're at the effect of it. Or where are you going to be? How are you going to respond? How are you going to see it? So, when we're in tribes, so in or if we're going to continue and do this work and have the best possible experience we can, we have to go inside. We have to do our inner work, forgiveness work. We have to release our old beliefs. It's and that's what practitioners are here for. They can help you, they can guide you, they can pray with you. They're here to help you through that. But that's our work. Uh, I was chatting with a neighbor, and she, she said, she started talking about how unfortunate it is in the world that everyone is distant from each other, that everyone is apart from each other. 
And then I remembered her brother wasn't feeling good. And I said, how's your brother doing? And she said, oh, I'm not talking to him. He, he wouldn't return my calls when he was sick. And so we're not talking now. And it's like, isn't that we project out there that the world better fix itself? How's the world going to fix itself? No, the world is right here. We're a microcosm of the world. We heal the work that needs to be done now. Are you, is there anyone you're avoiding? Or are you forgiving? Is there anyone you have some issues with? Or are you bringing the presence of love? That's our work. So use community as a mental equivalent for what you want in life. That this is the community that you get to participate on, in, uh, not just on Sunday, but there's things happening every day. There's people you can call. There's resources that you have that you can continue to grow and to build and to excel. Because what's our purpose really is to know God, to live in the highest place possible. So use your community for that. The first place in, in this is what is the experience you want to have? What's the experience you want to have? Maybe to be the presence of love. Maybe to get out of your comfort zone and connect with others. Maybe to stay centered in peace. So pay attention. What's your community, wherever you are in community or your tribe? What is the intention that you have going into it? Make sure you write it down somewhere so you remember. And then here's three ways to practice conscious awareness in community. The, reach out, lean in, and step up. So the first thing is to reach out. Reach out to others. Find out how they're doing. When we get out of our comfort zone and we check in with other people, it releases our own problems, right? It lets go of that. And we kind of lift up. We step up to help take up, look out for someone else. And then lean in, pay attention. And I, I'm speaking to the choir here because based on what Reverend Larry said, you are all paying attention. So I acknowledge you for that. But pay attention, see what's needed. See what's needed in, with other people in your community. If there's someone not around, give them a call. Check in on them. Pay attention to how you are feeling in community. What needs to be released? What's your inner work to do? So reach out, lean in, and then step up. Step up and answer the call to action. Be the one willing to do the work. When we do that together, we're building a community out of love. And so I want to share a story. You may have heard this before, but every time I hear it, I, it just brings me back to a place of love. And a long, long time ago, there was a monastery. And because of the, t the times that they were in, there was persecution, there was secularism, and this what used to be a thriving, wonderful monastery had diminished now there was only the abbot and four monks living in this monastery. 
And the monastery was located in a forest. And in the forest, there was a little hut. And the hut was used by a local rabbi. He would go to visit there, and it was his hermitage, and he would go meditate and pray there. And the monks got to be so in tune, they would know when the rabbi was there, and they would whisper to each other, the rabbi's in the forest. And it occurred to the abbot one day that maybe if I talk to the rabbi, he can tell me what to do to grow our community. He was so distraught that this community was dying. With these four monks and himself all over the age of 70, it was just, there was, there was no newness there. No, there was nothing, no one to follow through. So he made his way over to the hut and the rabbi welcomed him in. And he told him his purpose. He said, I'm here. I need your help. I need an answer. Do you have an answer? And the rabbi shook his head and he said, I'm so sorry. I don't know what to tell you. It's the same thing. It's the same thing for me. The, the light has gone out of the people. They stopped coming to the synagogue. I don't know what's happening, but it's the same. And so the rabbi and the abbot wept together. They read the Torah and they whispered about deep things together. Well, it was time for the abbot to leave, and, and he said, I came here with a purpose, and I did not fulfill my purpose. Please, is there anything you can tell me to help me grow my group? And he said, no. I, the rabbi said, I'm sorry. There's nothing I can tell you. There's just one, one thing I know, is that the Messiah is one of you. And so the abbot left, and he went back, and the monks were anxiously waiting. And they said, what did you learn? Did he tell you anything? And he's, he said, no, he had no advice. The only thing he said, it was kind of cryptic. He said, the Messiah is one of us, but I don't know what that means. And so in the days and weeks ahead, the monks all started thinking about this. What did that mean? Did the rabbi know something they didn't know? What does that mean? And so they started thinking, who would the Messiah be? Well, surely Brother Abbott, because he was the leader. Brother Abbott could easily be the Messiah because he's led us through all kinds of things. Or it could be Brother Thomas. He's such a holy man. He's always in prayer and meditation. But it couldn't be Brother Elred, because Brother Elred is the crotchiest person. He's angry about everything. It couldn't, it couldn't be him, except every once in a while, he has some wisdom to give. Hmm. And it couldn't be Brother Philip, because Brother Philip is so quiet. He's afraid of everything. He doesn't talk. He's almost invisible. Except if you really need something... Brother Philip is there. Maybe he's the Messiah. So something happened where the monks started treating each other with great respect, just on the off chance one of them was the Messiah. And they started treating themselves differently. And as they did that, 
the people in the neighboring village would come and picnic near the monastery. They would come and, and pray in the chapel. And then they started bringing their friends. And then they would ask the monks for prayer. And some of the men in the village started attending and they would ask the monks questions and engage them in conversation. And pretty soon, some of the men asked if they could join. And once again, it started to grow and became a thriving monastery. All because of the rabbi's gift. It was the gift of the idea that one of us is the Messiah. You could be the Messiah, or you, or you, or you. Every one of us is the Messiah when we act in love, when we show up in community out of a place of peace and givingness. That imagine this idea that we have, this vision of a world that works for everyone, it starts right here. It starts in this tribe, in this community. And imagine as we have this idea of this world that works for everyone, and we share that here, and we have the respect and the peace and the love, and we share it without into our families and friends, and they feel it, and they feel it in their communities, and they share it in their communities, and their communities, until we have a world that works for everyone. It is possible. It's possible, and we have the vision for it. And so our work is to live it, to think about it, and to be in that place of love. And so before I pray, I invite you to pray this prayer with me, and it comes from the writings of Paul Selleck. Repeat after me, I am love through the one I see before me. I choose to see you in love. I choose to see you in your worth. I choose to see you in your right to be. I see you in your perfection. I see you in your beauty. I see you in your choices. I see you in your wholeness. I see love through the one I see before me. And so let us pray. How grateful I am for love and light, for freedom, for joy, for all of us to come together knowing this infinite and divine that is love is the presence and the power that moves through each one of us. How grateful I am to know this truth. How grateful I am to know this love and that this love permeates, illuminates, radiates through each one of us. I know that we have been lifted in love this day with the music, the message, with being here in community, with being in the oneness, that there is a magnificence flowing in and through in each one of us. There's a magnificence of love, and each one of us is the Messiah, is the presence of love. 
And so I know as we go out in, into the world that we take this love, this light, this peace, this radiant beingness, we take it out with us and share it with all who come into community with us, all who come into contact with us. I'm so grateful for this blessing, for this teaching, for this community, for this awareness. We are so blessed. God is so good. I release this word with deep gratitude. And together we affirm. And so it is. Blessings. Thank you. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. We also have many programs, classes, and workshops developed just for our online audience. To find out more, go to our website at cslportland.org and look under the Online tab. We have a variety of content dedicated specifically for our podcast listeners. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at cslportland.org donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended spiritual community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.